Hey, Josh Felber here from Making Bank. Today's episode, gonna blow your mind. If you ever thought about real estate investing, multifamily, whatever that may be, these next guests are gonna really drop some amazing insights, give you some different ways that you can actually start to move into the real estate market, whether that's multifamily, single home, whatever that may be for you. So again, check out today's episode of Making Bank with Gino and Jake. Also guys, if you're loving the freedom gear, support, uh, go check out my favorite website to grab my clothing at. They're super soft, whether they're uh, hoodies, the cool hats with the uh, American flag, freedom gear, truth gear, whatever that is, uh, gratitude quotes. Check out gratitudegear.com and stock up. Make sure you use Making Bank 10, Making Bank 10 for 10% off any of your gear. You are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited and honored for today's guests. Jake and Gino are multifamily investors, educators, and operators who have accumulated over $175 million in assets under management and have grown their real estate portfolio to over 1,800 multifamily units. As leading experts in, on investing and managing in the multifamily space, they continue to teach others how to do the same through Jake and Gino, a multifamily real estate education company, which they founded on the three pillars of sound apartment investing, buy right, manage right, and finance right. To date, their students have closed over 400,000 and growing units and have over $2 billion in deal volume. Jake currently resides in Knoxville, Tennessee with his beautiful wife, Whitney, and their three children. And Gino resides in St. Augustine, Florida with his beautiful wife, Julia, and their six children. So I'm excited to welcome Jake and Gino to Making Bank today. Josh, thanks for having us on. For sure, guys. Uh, Excited to have you and start digging in and learning what we can about real estate and uh, multifamily and everything. But I guess give our audience a little bit of background, maybe for a little bit of those people out there that don't know who you guys are and how you got started as entrepreneurs and into the real estate side of things. You want to hit it, Jake? Yeah, no, I I can jump into that. And I think it's it's really interesting because it started with being a a reasonable shopper. And, And what I mean by that. I think you need to treat the state that you choose to live in the same way you choose a grocery store. Okay? I'm, I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit. <laughs> I like going to Whole Foods every once in a while, but it's not my primary for multiple reasons. There's some things I want to get there. I treat New York the same way. Okay? I grew up in New York. Was I lived there until 2011. It started to not align with my values over time. So we believe in values-based decision-making. So when the values disaligned, I said to myself, okay, what do I want out of a state? I want better weather. I don't want state income taxes. I want lower property taxes. I want somewhere that has a good business climate. So I started an Excel spreadsheet and I started sorting the states. And I challenge everyone to do this because there's so many people with a limiting belief where, oh, my family's here, I'm stuck here, there's no getting out. Well, you know, 2020, things changed a lot, a lot, of more, a lot more people moved. I moved in 2011 from New York to Knoxville, Tennessee, 
And that alone was the best decision that I ever made in my in my entire life, except for my wife, of course. We mentioned earlier, you know, got to be careful there, okay? But <laughs> moving to Knoxville, it was a business-friendly climate, no state income taxes, great weather, uh, just the, the list goes on. You know, great property taxes. It was an environment where I could succeed in. Now I feel like I'm illegal. Like I, if I went back to New York, like the way I live my life, I'd be illegal there. That's what I tell my friends, and I, and I believe a lot of it's true. I just it's not a good fit anymore. Uh, but ultimately, moved down here in 2011 was friends with Gino. We started looking at multifamily investments then. It wasn't a sexy time to do it. Rents were suppressed in Knoxville. There wasn't population growth like you see it now. So while all these people say, oh, you're lucky, this, that, and the other thing, we had a plan. We knew we wanted to create passive income. We wanted to create cash flow. We wanted to become real estate entrepreneurs. So we started. It took us two years before we got that first deal. That's the key right there, folks. Most people quit within those two years because they say, commercial real estate, multifamily, it's this pie in the sky. It's not for me. It is... It is at some point, right? If you stay in there long enough, you will crack through and get a deal done. And then you realize it's the same thing over and over again. It's you systematize it. The bigger deals are actually easier than the smaller deals. And that's another mindset shift that people need to get into and, and, and really bust that. So, you know, that is essentially how we got started, uh, you know, and an and and alignment of values between Gino and myself as well, which is very important that has allowed, you know, our relationship to you know, last from 2011, you know, up until now. And Josh, the important thing we should really mention is I was the pizza guy. I owned the restaurant. Jake was the drug rep. Jake would use my restaurant to go to the doctor's offices. And there was a shift back in 2008, the Sunshine Act. He saw that his income was dropping. I saw that I'm a single you know, mom and pop owner. How do I get out of this rat race? And for me, right. single family homes just wasn't the way. I already had a job. So I wanted to start creating some type of quote unquote, as people say, passive income. I'm like, let me scale up. Our first deal was a 25 unit deal inconceivable for me at the time when we started, but I partnered up with Jake and my brother, 18 months. And then the second deal came three months later, 36 unit. And I know everyone's going to say, well, those times were different. Rents were, you know, everything was different. Remember in 2013, there was no capital to raise. GDP mm. was less than 1%. The economy yeah. was terrible. Consumer sentiment was terrible. There were deals there was no money. Now it's the flip reverse. It's called the market cycle. The market is cycling. And I think anybody out there saying, oh, I got to get into multifamily when it cools down. Uh-uh. You need to get into any kind of venture when you are ready. You need to be ready for it because it's going to take you a little bit of time, whether it's to build a business, whether it's to have a family. If you're ready, that's when you do it because then you need to plant the seed and go ahead and get that work going. And that's, you know, interesting point you brought up too, is, I mean, you know, with where the market is now and, you know, and you hear a lot of everything, the interest rates are going up and, you know, obviously inflation's, you know, out of the, you know, exploding and they're talking about the housing sector crashing, you know, things like that, just as bad as like 2008 and stuff. I mean, what do we hold off and wait to invest until, you know, till something drops or, or is it still a good time now? I guess that's a good question to start with. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll hit that because I think there's a, a major difference in supply uh, if you, you're looking back to 2008 till now. There's a lot more building going on. The building has really fallen off. So there's mm. a big supply and demand difference. And, and I think it's really dependent on the area that you're investing in. I think that if you're in a growth market where people want to be, okay, where there's population and job growth, you're going to be much more insulated than if you're in, you know, one of these markets sure. where there's been, they've been losing population. So I think that it always comes down to supply and demand, but keep in mind, this is a basic human need. 
Okay, we we have seen the most incredible occupancy in years. Okay, in in our markets that we invest in, we have a three-hour radius around Knoxville that that we invest in. So I think it's it's market dependent. You want to make sure that the jobs are there, the population is there. You know, the, the growth is going to be there uh, wherever you're investing in. And and look, if there's going to be more opportunities, I've seen this week specifically. I've seen more deals hit this week because I think that folks that were looking to hit the exit, you know, maybe in the next six months or whatever, getting fearful now. And they're saying, let's exit the deal. Now we're mm. long-term buy and hold investors. We really don't want to sell anything. Uh, we want to refire capital back out and keep adding more deals, you know, to the conveyor belt and then get that cost segregation, that beautiful depreciation, and then just keep it going. So that's ultimately our plan. So it depends on your strategy. I, I think the people that are now sitting there saying, Oh, I don't know if it's the right time to get in. Those people are probably never going to do a deal because that, to me, that's always the way to look for an out where I can talk myself into not investing because ultimately we have multiple tools in our tool belt. We've done syndication. We've done seller financing. We, most of our deals, we just bought outright, you know, Gina and myself and, and put debt on them. So, but I think there's multiple strategies to taking deals down. We're getting into development right now. And, and the reason we have these different strategies is to stay it's to stay current in any market cycle, any part of the, the cycle, because we want to continue adding more deals to portfolio. So, you know, I, I just think that it, it's a little weak when people start using these excuses, because to me, it ultimately tells me that they're probably not going to be successful in real estate because they're finding ways to talk themselves out of it. You need to get educated and then you need to take action. And it starts now and, and when your mindset is ready. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, you know, we were, uh, we did a bigger pocket show the other day and they were saying 40% of their listeners, you know, haven't done a deal yet. And really what that tells me wow. is that they're interested. They want to do it. They, they know that, that it's a great way to hedge inflation and grow wealth, but it's a mindset thing. Some of these people struggle up here. I mean, most of business is one between your ears. You know, it's not a lot of this blocking and tackling right. shit. It's anybody can do it. It's it's where you're going to get your, your head right. And uh, I think that's where people struggle many times before they're able to get into multifamily because they think it's for someone else. The only thing I would add to that is it's 80% psychological and 20% mechanical. You can learn yeah. the cash on cash. You can learn the cap rates. You can learn market cycles. That's not really difficult. The psychological, the personal development is what we really need to work on. And for us, we've been doing boot camps with our students for the last four years, since 2018. And by a show of hands, I wish you could get everyone up there saying, who thought the market was at a high back in 2018? Everyone right. says yes. 2019, everyone says yes. That's what we kept saying for the last four years. And now we're at this point where everyone thinks we're at the height of the market. I think an investor, whether you're investing in stocks, whether you're investing in bonds, whether you're investing in crypto, real estate, you make money when it's markets going up and when the market's going down. You have to understand the market cycle and what type of asset to buy and what type of debt you need to do and what type of exit strategy you have. You need to learn all of these things, whether you're in real estate or in the stock market or any other investment. When you become really savvy, you know when to buy, whether the market is going up or the market's going down. And when the market is going down, you have opportunities. There are a lot of opportunities out there. Problems present opportunities for the entrepreneur and for the real estate investor. Now, that's one of the things you guys mentioned uh, a little bit ago was uh, you kind of have like that three-hour radius around Knoxville. So is that just where you're targeting for your investment properties? Multiple reasons there. We're vertically integrated. Uh, we try to do as much stuff in-house as possible. So we have a renovations team that's that's leaning into becoming our development team. All the property management is done in-house, and it's easier to 
build out than kind of doing these leaps into different markets. We've done that before, and it just proves to be a bit more challenging, and we don't get the efficiencies and the economies of scale on the expense side of the equation that we see locally. So it's just personal preference. You can be in multifamily and use third party all day long and, and be fine. There's people who have done that that do great with it. It's just not who we are. And so for us to grow, it's sort of like we, we grow from the core and we, we kind of grow outwards, and that three-hour radius works really well for us. And their markets with growth opportunities that we like. I mean, that, that there's a big part of it. That's how I started out originally back in 2008. Uh, I started investing outside my market. I was using third-party property management. Okay. I was just really lucky to connect with Jake. Jake moves down to Knoxville in 2011. I'm still investing outside my backyard. I started partnering with Jake. We didn't have any deals together, so I took a risk. So you can invest outside your market, especially if you're a high-income net, net you know, earner and you are locked into a market that you don't like. Go out and find partners. Go out and find people who are in different markets and start investing in their deals as well. So if somebody's starting to you know, look or they've been looking, um, obviously they've got to make the decision, cool, I'm ready to, ready to invest and you know, they're ready, ready to make this happen. What are some of the key things they should start to look for or be aware of uh, when, they, when they go to invest? I think, Josh, the first thing you need to think of is what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish with multifamily? Are you trying to do on the side where you're using it as a retirement vehicle, where you're, you know, are you working 30 hours a week and you want to leave your job and do this full time? I think that's the first thing. What are your goals? Or are you a high income earner like a doctor or a lawyer and you don't have the time and the bandwidth to dedicate it? Well, go out there and maybe you can become a general partner on deals. So first thing I think mm. is you need to set your goals and what you're looking to do. We overestimate what we can get done in a year, but we vastly underestimate what can get done in five years. You know, our first 18 months, goose egg. But within five years, we had 1,500 units because we had the clarity of what we wanted to do. So first mm. thing, set upon okay. what goals and what you're trying to accomplish. I think the next thing is select that market. Focus in on one market, especially if you're new, because you're going to really need to create those relationships. In business and in real estate, relationships are so key. Getting with in front of the brokers is really important. Doing property tours is really important. That's why if you decide today to start multifamily, you're going to need a good 60, 90 days, maybe even 180 days, let's say, to get all of this stuff going. And by that time, the market cycled and it's changed. That's yeah. why it's never a long time to get into it. So you've got your goals then you've got your market. Then you start networking with those brokers and getting on those property tours. And then obviously the education aspect underwriting, looking at deals, taking, taking a look at all that stuff. But it has to start with you. You're the first one, like I said for myself, I knew multifamily was the right thing for me because I had the full-time job. I wanted to do something part-time with the intention of within two to three years to leave the restaurant and to scale into multifamily. So that's why I selected multifamily. I selected Knoxville. I selected the submarkets in Knoxville. And then I guess Jake is probably going to talk about the buy-right criteria, but we had a criteria of what kind of assets really worked for us. A deal for Jake and Gino is not a deal for Josh. It, you know, it can and can't be. Josh may have different goals, may have different time frames may have different you know balance sheets josh may have a ton of money jake and gino didn't have a ton of money starting so those deals looked a lot different starting than they do now yeah no, gino, 100%, okay that's that's where that's where i wanted to go with that because i think ultimately clarity as an entrepreneur will set you free and what gino was referring to in our first book uh we wrote about buy right manage right and finance right and we really think that is the three pillars to sound multifamily investing it's a it's a framework once you buy it that's done you know, once you finance it, we're probably fixing for a minimum of 10 years. And then it all hones around that management. But you need to have proper buy right criteria. What do I mean by that? 
How big of a market are you looking at population wise? What do you need? What is the median income of that submarket or track that you're purchasing? Okay. What is the vintage of the asset that you're comfortable with taking down? The list goes on and on, but if you get clarity there, you can quickly remove deals off your desk when they don't make sense. So you're not wasting time with them. And then the ones that fit those, you know, criteria that you're, you're underwriting for, and then they, they meet the, the, uh, the metrics for your returns. That's what makes it easy. And then the brokers are not wasting your time if they're giving you, you know, units that have uh, window units and they, they, you know, they have older electrical. OK, maybe that's not on your list. You want we only do central heat and air. We want washer dryer hookups in the units. Whatever you set that criteria that works for you, then you're going to have a better broker relation. Uh, so when the deals come through, you're going to close quickly because that's what they want. They want to be able to give you a deal that they think, think, think fits. You don't give them a fucking hard time and you close the deal. That's how this relationship will work and you'll get more deals fed to you. So it's very important. Yeah, no, that was actually kind of my next question is like, you know, how do you kind of get that deal flow? You know, what you just kind of mentioned, you know, we're working with the brokers and getting it closed quickly and, uh, you know, and having that. Uh, framework of what you want um, in a deal. Yeah, we we also have these uh, these mercenaries out there, right? They're uh, I was going to say that uh, basically call direct to owners for us, and so they bring us deals as well. Where like that's what these guys do, and we'll pay them. They bring us a deal, and uh, we'll pay them to do it, and kind of do like an off market scenario. So we we do that as well. Yeah, that's some great uh, insights. So what are some of the different like, kind of like pitfalls or challenges that people run into? Whether, they're, whether it's closing a multifamily deal or, or I guess some of the biggest things that could hold them back or those hurdles that they might run into. A lot of time it comes it comes down to property management. Um, you know, you, you buy a deal like we've talked about, that's sort of done. Hopefully you you had, you know, your numbers right and you you acquired it in a in a good manner there. Financing is typically locked in longer term. It really comes down to management. And if you're doing third party management, you really have to manage that relationship tightly uh, as an asset manager. And so we recommend everyone getting on with their property managers at least once a week. You're the leader of that. Okay, you're dictating the cadence of accountability, what things are supposed to look like, and not just saying, oh, this is just an investment and pushing it off and hoping that they take care of it. You really need to have extreme ownership and make sure that you're leading and, and really making sure that you're outlining the way things are supposed to go for that property manager. Otherwise, they're going to just assume and do what they, you know, think is right. And, and typically we see that's where there's a lot of failure. So it's, it's really, you know, understanding this is a business, you need to treat it like one, you need to have leadership and hold your property manager accountable. And Josh, just to piggyback back off of that real quick, it's buy right, manage right, and finance right. Mm, a lot of right. the educators out there, it's sexy to buy a deal and to finance a deal, but they just forget about managing it because they don't manage it. And what Jake had said previously, we're vertically integrated. And, and to add to those three pillars right there, we have the three pillars of real estate and it's market cycle, debt, and exit strategy. And the reason why I'm mentioning this as well on those three pillars, that exit strategy is so crucial. You need to understand what you're going to do with this deal. Like, think about it. A plane is getting off. You're flying a plane. You're taking off. Taking off is mandatory. Landing you got to land the plane. It's just like a deal. You got to think about it. You don't have to buy that deal, but once you buy that deal, you better understand what you're going to do with your exit strategy, whether you're going to sell the deal, whether you're going to hold it for the long term, whether you're going to refinance it. So people, I don't think they understand really clearly what a deal looks like and what they want this deal to achieve for them. So getting clarity on that aspect as well, understanding to buy it right and finance it right. Those two legs are done. The wheel of the wheelbarrow is to manage right. That's in constant motion. You're constantly managing that asset. And if it's not you, it's third party property management. But then understanding those three pillars of real estate, that market cycle, where you are in the market cycle, the type of debt you're getting on the deal, and that exit strategy is so crucial. Because we made the mistake, Jake and myself, 
early on, we're buying deals, what's our exit strategy? We really didn't think clearly. We thought we we're gonna buy and hold forever. And fortunately for us, that's what we've turned into. But a lot of students joining, thinking that, hey, you know what, I'm gonna buy this and hold it forever, where, you know what, maybe not. Maybe this asset, you can sell in three years, repurpose that equity into another deal. Gotcha, no, I, I know we only got a couple minutes left. Um, what are kind of maybe like three top things that we should think about or that make sure we have the, either the right management company that we're partnering with or in our own, if we have our own management company, what are those top three things? I'll hit first one. You have to have that cadence of accountability. You need to, you need to really be on a weekly or at least a biweekly call. You want to be proactive. You want to understand what your key performance indicators are, your KPIs. If you can't measure it, then you can't manage it. What are your delinquencies? What are your vacancies? What are your collections? You know, you're looking at you know economic occupancy. Are they are they actually paying rent, or are they just physically occupying the thing? You need to know what those KPIs are to become proactive. That's really really important with management. And I think the second part of management, they're a vendor like anyone else. Do they fit your core values? Do they fit your culture? Are they going to be a good team member? Because this is such a vital and crucial role. And I think I'll do three 3.0, and I'll let Jake do 3.1. Don't be cheap. Pay your property management companies. It's a tough business to manage people and put people into their homes. So pay your property management companies. Yeah, that's a great point, Gina. I think two key reports that you got to keep in mind. One is a weekly pulse report that shows all your KPIs. It's something that our company sends out. So it'll show your occupancy. It'll show your, your cash on hand. Literally, it'll go through and show you know delinquency. Uh, vacant unrented is an important one for us uh, because we collect moving fees and we don't do security deposits. So it shows how many units are available to actually rent. It's a very key one for us. Uh, and then there's a, a cash management report we call our draw report every month, which basically shows here's the baseline of cash that we keep in there. Everything above it is profitability. And then we actually list out profit per unit. So if there's 150 uh, units in a complex, we actually show how much profit each one of those units made. And then we can benchmark it across our other units to see which properties and what unit types are doing the best in our market. And then if we, you know, maybe it gives us some insight. Maybe we want to get more of these townhomes because they're doing really well. Or, or maybe these, uh, you know, one bedrooms with washer dryer hookups are exceeding, you know, from the rest of the portfolio. So it gives us really good insight to our own data and our own metrics. Uh, so it's, it's something we really like to look at. Awesome. Yeah. And, and definitely having metrics, I mean, with any kind of businesses is, <laughs> is key. If you're not knowing your numbers and you don't know what's yeah. going on, uh, it's definitely not going to be a long-term uh, workable thing for you for sure. Um, so guys, I hope you guys are really paying attention to what Jake and Jeannie were talking about. If you've ever thought about multifamily or any kind of real estate investing, Make sure you're going back and watching this. Figure out what you want. Uh, figure out you know, what your goals are, as they talked about. And then make sure you have the mindset right. You're ready to do this. You're ready to move forward. And then what type of uh, projects that you want to start to invest in and, and you know, add to your portfolio. So watch it, watch it, listen to this again, take those notes, and then start taking action. Uh, Jake or Gino, um, right here before we wrap up, what's something you're like, oh, man, I really want to share this before we wrap up and just let everybody know about and then tell us where they can find it, find you at. We had the pleasure of interviewing somebody who was discussing culture, and it just came to my mind. I've got the book in front of me. You promote what you permit. As mm. a business owner, as a parent, if you allow it to happen, that means you're promoting it. And it's the same thing with a property management company. If you're not up to date, you're not talking to them weekly or biweekly, you're promoting poor performance. So take it upon yourself. Jake has always talked about being a responsibility junkie. Be responsible. 
Victimhood is great for a few days, few weeks, but you're not going to accomplish. You're not going to live a fulfilling life. So you promote what you permit. Write that down. And if you live by that core value, you're going to live an amazing life. Go to jakeandgino.com. I'm Gino. He's Jake. And we're Jake and Gino. Hey, I got one more for you, Josh. Uh, we do we yeah. do one event. We do one event per year. It's November 5th and 6th in Orlando at the Gaylord Palms. Multifamily Mastery 5 this year. It's the only event that we open up to the general public throughout the year. So if you want to find out more about multifamily, you want to learn more about buy right, manage right, and finance right, uh, you can check us out at jakeandgino.com. Again, it's the only event that we do throughout the year because we do a ton of events, but this is open to the general public. And you get to you know network with our community. Tons of great speakers. Uh, we like to you know call it the financial vacation for smart people. So appreciate your time today. <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.